0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Worship at Fusion this morning. We're so glad that you're here in this space as well as those of you gathering online. Welcome. At this time, we invite you to stand up and greet one another with the peace of Christ. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 96. <laughs> Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared
1: above all gods.
2: treasure you found.
1: amen please be seated
3: well good morning fusion family good morning good morning hey uh, we got a special treat this morning uh, I am gonna invite the Yoders forward uh, and as they come forward many of you know uh, Zach and Christy Yoder and their kids they um, Christy grew up in this church, but we got a lot of new faces, and so many of you don't know them, and uh, they are headed, they are missionaries that we have sent out. Uh, They do work with Wycliffe Bible translators in Nigeria, and uh, and, and you guys are heading back next Sunday, and so this is their last Sunday with us, and so we want to be able to send them off in prayer, and I think they're going to, they're going to pray and bless us in return, Um, but uh, just a Maybe just some words of introduction for maybe those, and, and of course, you've been here for a couple months, and so you guys have been in classes with our kids, and it's been wonderful, but, but maybe just feel, share a few words, Christy, uh, about your family, maybe introductions, okay. and, then, uh, and then your work as well in Nigeria. All
0: right. Well, let me let, me let my girls tell you their names, because she's eager to hold the microphone. What's your name? Lydia. How old are you? Five. What's your name? Olivia. How old are you? Three. Three. What's your
2: name? Acacia.
0: How
3: old are you? Three. Three. Uh-huh.
0: Mariama. 7
3: Mm-hmm. And I'm Zach. 40. Oh!
0: All right. Hey,
3: there we go. Oh, sorry. I got that Actually, one coming that's not, up not even true. He's 39.
0: <laughs> I'm 40. Okay. <laughs> sorry, honey. Um, so, yes. So, um, we are working in Nigeria. And Zach is the director of our organization. We have just over 100 um, staff members who are serving 30 to 50 language communities around Nigeria, representing thousands of people. And so um, when you're praying for us, we're hoping to expand to 60 to 40 more languages in the next three years. What did I say? Yeah, no, no, not 60. Six to 40 languages in the next three years. And we're praying for capacity. We're praying for God to bring people. We have um, 23 Nigerian missionaries currently. I'll actually be sharing on the radio on the 9th in the morning about our Nigerian missionaries. On Moody Radio, 89.3. If you want to hear more about our Nigerian missionaries and what's going on in Nigeria, because everything you hear is bad. Well, it's not. Things are wonderful, beautiful things are happening. Um, A small example of like a very small part of what's going on. Um, I have kids that come to my house, about 12 of them every day for tutoring and things like that after school. And one of them kept telling me before we came, auntie, don't forget, Kaka is telling me to give you the Bible in her language before you go. Auntie, don't forget. Every morning she would tell me this, and so I finally I gave it to her, and I saw her kaka walking, um, her grandmother going to, uh, to pick wood one day, and I said, Kaka, what are you doing with the Bible, um, with the with that that small memory card, and because I had given her a radio to play it, I said, Who's listening to it? She goes, uh-uh. I have them listening to it in the place where I walk. What's amazing about that is that where she works, she she makes locally brewed alcohol. And so she has people sitting around in a little um, cement block structure, drinking out of gourd bowls, listening to the Bible in their language. And I said, are they understanding? And she said, ah, yes, no, they all understand. (laughs) And so I go, well, praise God. And so, um, and she was very eager to make sure that I didn't come to the United States without... Her having that tool to use in her drinking place. And so <laughs> I just want to praise God for what he's doing. And um, that's, that language is Biron, but there are 500 languages in Nigeria. 500. 200 of them don't even have scripture yet started. It's the third most linguistically rich area, the biggest need in the the world, the third biggest need in the world for Bible translation. And so international, Wycliffe International is looking at at Zach and be like, do more. And the people that are on the ground are looking at Zach and be like, no more. And so there's a lot going on and we need your prayers for for Zach, for our whole organization in Nigeria. So we're with Wycliffe Bible translators. There we go. Elections coming up. That's always, you never know what's going to happen elections in Africa, so we can pray for that. Um, I'm homeschooling my five girls. Yeah, sorry, split up homeschooling in my five girls. And then number four, um, just prayer for wisdom for my husband. So there we go. That's us. All
3: right. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, let's praise God. Um, we are going to gather the troops here, or we can pray from a distance too. That's fine too. Uh, but we are going to pray over them, and if, if you would like, if you feel comfortable just to kind of extend a hand out uh, as we offer our blessing to them and over them, and, uh, and then I know Chrissy was saying that you guys have a little treat for us, yes. a prayer in return. So uh, I am going to pray, Okay. and uh, all right. Lord God, we thank you for your spirit that is at work. Uh, Lord, just, just listening to Christy share, Lord, the passion uh, of, that your spirit brings and gives, we thank you for the passion you've placed, their, their love for the Nigerian people, their love for your word, their, their, their desire to, to have every single person be able to hear from your word. Lord, we pray for the work. We pray for, for the languages that, that are yet to be translated. We pray for an election, Lord, coming up next month. We pray, God, for the work of, of being a mom and, and a dad and homeschooling these girls, Lord. We we pray for your, your growth and your spirit to be at work. And Lord, we pray a, a special blessing over Zach as he leads an organization, Lord, to give wisdom and discernment. We pray for all these things as well as safe travel. And Lord, may we continue to feel uh, that brother and sister Sisterhood with the Yoder family as they do work across an ocean, but Lord, we remain united in spirit. And we pray all this in the powerful, wonderful, loving name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior, and God's people say in one voice, amen, amen. Okay. Did you need, you want a microphone, yeah. There we go. Receive this. I'll
0: let you decide if this is a treat or not, but we do want to <laughs> pray back to you.
1: Bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, the Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Ubangi Ubangi Abarka Fuska sataska keku baku alheri ubangi kiaheku baku salama.
3: People say, <laughs> Amen. I'm going to invite our children to receive another blessing uh, from us, and they'll return that blessing as they. Uh, those who choose children's worship and Sunday school, head over toward the doors. Also, uh, after the service, if you want to find out more about the Yoder's work, they have a table set up uh, right by the donuts and coffee, and so please take advantage of, of hearing more, hearing more testimony. Uh, we want to give you that opportunity as well. All right. Our, uh, our young people and children are just about gathered. I think we know the words at this point. Uh, adults together, the Lord be with you, and also with you. all right, blessings and blessings i 'm going to invite uh, Jeff Lies, our president of council who 's going to uh, be doing our prayer as well as uh, a council kind of year end update and uh, and so we receive this as god 's people
4: all right, thank you jB You know um, that always gets me the uh, Kids going out. You know, I'm Jeff Lies. I've been here for 30 years now at Hardaway. Long time. So I got to see Christy grow up and uh, see kids walk around. As Shelly and I always sit over here, we sat there because we had six kids, right? And uh, that was a very poignant scene of the kids moving around. And I think it was uh, Shirley Waterway who said to Shelly and I one time after after the service you know the lord said let the little children come to me and he said make a joyful noise so that's all good stuff if you are a stressed out young parent it's great noise um yeah i get to talk to you about finances finances in our update um if you want to read about it it's in your bulletin and i think it'll be on the uh, website as well but you know, we came to you in 2022 at the end of the year. We talked about a hockey stick and what that looks like. And um, the, the whole congregation responded, which is pretty awesome. And um, as a council and staff, we went through the year-end finances and what that means for 2023 in our last council meeting, which was Monday. Uh, it was a very fruitful conversation, good things coming out of that. Um, you know, one of the things that came out of 22 especially, was how broad the giving is across all of our people. Uh, We're a church of givers. There isn't a select few that carry the ministry with their giving. So all of us participate, which is amazing, okay? And and very, very thankful for that. Um, That being said, we spent more than we uh, got in last year. We started with about 400. Uh, we finished the year about with 244. As of January 31, we're down to 182, okay, which isn't unexpected. First quarter giving is always more difficult than second, third, fourth is, is where we are. But um, as a council and staff, we're just committed to be transparent and fluid with, with the finances that uh, you've charged us to manage. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think I'm hitting all the things. Okay. So, what we really want you to walk away from in this is thank you. Without everyone in this room, without everyone across the campus, the ministries that happen can't occur. And you saw the Yoders go. How cool is that? Uh, Our youth ministries, children's ministries, just to give you an idea, you know, not I'm a numbers guy. Uh, just for our worship services on a Sunday, it's about 12,000 a week. So we don't have an inexpensive model. We've got one that is probably a little more expensive than others. But we reach a lot of people. So as you look this year and you um, look to contribute, you know, please keep heart awake in the foremost part of your brain in your mind. in in your prayers. And just one last thing, those of us that have been here a long time, you know, who's giving? So just so you know, watershed fusion celebration, it's it's pretty equally spread across the whole campus. Okay, 30% watershed, 30% celebration, 40% fusion. So again, those of you in fusion, thank you very much, but you're not alone. Okay, we're all in it together. So with that, let's pray using the words from uh, Psalm 18. We love you, Lord, our strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms us with strength and keeps our way before him secure. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are absolute in a very relative world, and we rely on you completely. We find refuge in your absolute leadership because you both protect and equip us. Lord, there are so many things that keep us from turning to you first, yet we know there is no other rock but you. Thank you for hearing us as we reach our voices to you. You know, we're dealing with big things here, Lord. Be with those of us dealing with health issues or suffering the loss of a loved one or parenting our children. Turn our eyes toward you and arm us with your strength. Thank you for investing in Hardwick Ministries. Equip us to be a people that reflect you both here on Sunday mornings as well as in our daily lives. In your name, amen.
3: Thank you, Jeff. I don't know, uh, I don't know if you saw my, my son running around, but he filled out a couple of different name tags. And one of them he wrote Jeff. I don't know why. I don't know where he got that. So anyway, uh, thank you for, for just being, you know, we, we commit to being transparent and those aren't always the easiest announcements to make, but I hope um, that, you, that you heard not only the reality, but also the encouragement. I mean, to hear that, that that there are a large number of people participating in worship in this way. Worship is, a, is an act of, uh, giving is an act of worship, and it's the one of the ways that, that we worship, we offer ourselves to God. Um, but thinking about all the different ministries that take place here, the spirit that's growing in this community. I don't know if you felt it last week as so many gathered for a potluck, and was that pork delicious? Amen, yeah, man, that was really good. Um, but, but, they're, they're, God is at work, and I hope you hear that uh, with the realities. And that's always a tough thing to kind of balance those two things. And so thank you, Jeff. Also, uh, just a, maybe a, a word to parents. Some of you have been here a while. This is a tube of M&Ms, okay? This is not a maraca or, a, or an egg shaker. Uh, but the kids will be receiving a tube of M&Ms. Now, the, the Sunday school teachers will do their best to have the kids not open the M&Ms today, We will do our best, Um, but this is for Feed My Starving Children. And so the idea here is the kids get a little treat, families get a little treat, and then we fill these tubes with uh, loose change, Uh, and each tube uh, represents about $14, which I think is 40 or 50 meals through Feed My Starving Children. The goal is to raise $2,000 toward a $9,000 goal through these M&M tubes. And, uh, you know, when I first got here, I was just like, oh, sweet, M&Ms. And then I ate these M&Ms, and I'm like, $14? That's like the most expensive, you know, thing of M&Ms I've ever seen. But uh, it's for a good cause, and, uh, and so I'm sure your kids will share all about it. So just wanted to give you a heads up as those come home with you today. But anyway, we're continuing uh, to journey through the grand narrative of Scripture uh, this morning. We're wrapping up a miniseries, A Kingdom Torn. Next week, we'll kind of shift to a new miniseries, "The uh, Kingdom in Repair, A Kingdom in Repair. And so, as the people of God begin to return to Jerusalem, we'll start there next week. And if you remember, last week, we remembered... The fall of Judah, the destruction of Jerusalem, uh, the temple uh, in Jerusalem is destroyed and brought to the ground, and the people of God were then carried away into exile in the land of Babylon. And and if you remember last week, we wrestled with the book of Lamentations and these brutal and, and raw prayers of honest lament found in the scriptures. Remember, it was the most devastating season in Israel's history. You know, identity kind of lost, a season of great loss, a loss of home, a loss of loved ones, loss of identity, loss of understanding. It was absolutely devastating as well as really disorienting. It's it's almost impossible for us to put ourselves in the shoes or sandals, if you will, of the Israelites at this time, but I began to imagine the people of God living now in Babylon you know, over a thousand miles away, this foreign land, and, and they just must be thinking, now what? Like, like everything we knew is gone. And now we're living in this strange foreign land, and, and they must be thinking, like, like, now what? Like, how do we move forward? H- how are we to live? Like, is it just time to give up? And, and right here in the middle of our script, of the book of Jeremiah, right on cue, there's this letter That the prophet Jeremiah writes with instructions to the people living in exile in Babylon. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to read from Jeremiah's letter. It's found in chapter 29. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open and follow along. Uh, But we're going to read this together as well as consider Daniel. The book of Daniel is written from, the, from Babylon, as we have this faithful example of Daniel and a couple of his buddies, if you will, living faithfully during the time of exile. And then we're going to look at those two things, but then look through the lens of the gospel and the teaching and the, the words and the example of Jesus Christ, and how do these words, written to a people in exile thousands of years ago, continue to speak with relevance into our lives today? That's our plan, but to get there, we're going to begin by reading Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 14. If you're willing, if you're able, I'd invite you to stand as we hear God speak to us this morning. Again, Jeremiah 29, we'll be starting at verse 4. Again, this is a letter written by Jeremiah, uh, speaking on behalf of God to the people of Israel living in exile. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promises to bring you back to this place, referring to Jerusalem. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you declares the Lord and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you declares the Lord and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Join me in order prayer. Lord God we thank you once again for your word. Lord, words that you spoke through the prophet Jeremiah to your people in exile. We pray by the power of your spirit that that these words written in a particular time and place by your spirit would continue to speak truth, comfort, and hope to us living in this time and this place. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Quick question. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe season in life, where, where you just felt out of place? You ever been there? Just feel completely out of place? Um, admittedly, I, that hasn't happened much to me. I don't know about you, but, but typically, most times I'm in situations or spaces where, where I'm pretty comfortable. You know, I think we seek comfort, and we kind of we kind of gravitate there. But most of the time, I'm in a situation like churches, or our kids' school, or our neighborhood, and, and I feel pretty pretty comfortable. I don't feel much like an outsider. There have been some moments where I've been in a different country and experienced language barrier. Boy, that's a that's a huge challenge, certainly. Uh, but most of the time, I'm 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 in a place where I feel pretty comfortable, and I think I'm pretty adaptable to different environments and, and whatnot. But um, but back in 2009. The year was 2009, and I, and I visited a very strange place, a very strange land, um, Cleveland, Ohio. Anyone, anyone been there? <laughs> uh, and I just say that kind of tug in cheek uh, kind of fun. But but it was 2009, and I had gone to Cleveland, Ohio uh, to watch my Green Bay Packers play the Cleveland Browns uh, in a football game, and uh, let me tell you, I Definitely felt out of place. Uh, I don't know if you've been uh, to the Browns or maybe multiple stadiums, but you go a little early and you you eat some food. It's called tailgating. You're familiar? Uh, And how they have it set up at Cleveland Browns Stadium, is it Paul Browns Stadium? Am I, is that right? Okay. Um, You go, did I get it right or did I not get it right? Thank you, Steve. See, I was thinking of Steve and Kieran. Okay, there we go. He agrees, from Ohio. I was hoping I didn't offend anyone from Ohio. Okay, perfect. But anyway, you go there, and, and if you, when you get there, um, you, you, you find a parking spot, you start making your food or whatever, and everyone who got there before you has lined up closer to the stadium. So when it's time to actually go into the football stadium, you have to walk past all the people who have been there for far longer than you. And they've gotten a little excitable. You hear what I'm saying? So I am walking through that picture. And let me tell you, I'm not going to say much about it, but I've never been called so many colorful names in all my life during that quarter mile stretch. I'll leave it there. I felt like an outsider. And what was the reason for it? The reason for it is because these different groups of people held different allegiances primarily, maybe some different values, but primarily different allegiances, uh, and those two groups were in direct competition with, other, with one another. That's what sports is, right? Two fan bases rooting for different teams, and, and there's this, this conflict, right? Here's the question. Here's the thing. What, what happens when it's, when it's not around something so trivial like sports, Sports are supposed to be trivial, right? Tragically sometimes it's not, but it's trivial, right? And, 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 and what happens when it's when it's not around sports allegiances, but those differences are around core values and core beliefs. And, and, and what happens when it's when it's not just for a few hours on a Sunday afternoon, but it's part of your everyday life. And then what happens when those differences Uh, Begin to, 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 to manifest in that there's this heavy pressure to conform and compromise in that place, in that different culture. See, now we're starting to get a little bit closer to what life was like for the people of God in Babylon, in Babylonian exile. And it raises all kinds of different questions during that time and place. How are they to respond? How are they to live? There's a couple different options. You know, you could, you could conform to that culture and just kind of become part of that culture. Or you could kind of stand on the street corners and condemn that culture and say all kinds of different things. Or maybe you try to escape. Or is there a different way to respond for the people of God living in exile? And I don't know if you picked up on it, but, but Jeremiah's letters to the exiles suggest a different response altogether, Right? And it begins with this, a call to invest, a call to invest, invest in where God has placed you in this season. See, it was revealed to Jeremiah that that exile would last for 70 years, 70 years. That's a whole generation generation. This is is not a temporary stay, like a two-week vacation in Babylon, where you kind of just, you know, you make do with what you got and you're gonna be heading home in just a few weeks. No. Invest, because you're gonna be here for a while for 70 years. And so the prophet, the Lord says through the prophet Jeremiah: build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry, have kids, have grandkids, increase in number here, do not decrease. Now think about that. Knowing you're going to be there for 70 years, that that makes a certain amount of practical sense, like make a life there. But notice what else the Lord says through Jeremiah, verse seven. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. What? Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You see, God, through the prophet Jeremiah, calls the people of Israel to invest in this foreign land that is not their home. Settle down, build homes, plant gardens, understanding that you're going to be here for a while. Additionally, marry and have children and grandchildren, continue to live as a people with a heart toward the future. In in a way, this is saying, don't give up. Right, Don't give up in this season, but continue to live with eyes on a future because the Lord has not given up on you. So continue to live and move forward as the people of God living in exile. See, there's a vast difference. If, if, you, if you know that you're going to be there for a while, you're going to respond totally different. I was thinking about this in terms of being like stranded on a deserted island. And if you know you're going to be on the island for, 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 for a long extended period of time, you're gonna, you're gonna set up shop like Swiss Family Robinson, right? You're gonna make a home there and you're gonna plant gardens because you know you're gonna be there for a while as opposed to if there's this hope that rescue might come, well, then, then you might take all your, re- your resources, set up signal fires, you know, set a fire to try, to try to bring rescue. There's a difference and they know they're gonna be there for 70 years so, so don't give up, continue to live as a people. But the more radical instructions, I don't know about you, come in Verse seven. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Our prosperity, our peace is connected to the prosperity and peace of Babylon. Like, this is radical. Like, don't forget what we learned last week, right? This is Babylon. This is, this is the enemy, right? This is, this is a nation that has taken everything from you. And so for, for people who have been stripped of everything that they know and own, the, the, the natural reaction would be to watch your enemy absolutely obliterated and destroyed. Right? That's more, that's more the script for Hollywood movies, right? That the people of God, like Hollywood would totally script this differently. Like Hollywood would have the people of Israel like plan an assassination attempt on, on King Nebuchadnezzar, right? Or, or form a rebellion, stir up a disinformation campaign to cause chaos within the nation of Babylon. No, no. But that's not what God's calling to the people here. Pray for the prosperity of the city. The Lord commands the people to seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Now, both of those words in our English is actually just one uh, Hebrew word. It's the word shalom. Shalom. And we've talked about this before, but shalom is, is way more than just peace or the absence of war or conflict. Shalom is completeness and fullness. Shalom is, is how God intended things to be in many ways. Shalom is what we pray for when we say, Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth. We are praying for shalom. And God is commanding the people through the prophet Jeremiah to pray for this for the city of Babylon. That's radical. Let's look at Daniel. Because what we see in the book of Daniel is Daniel lives faithfully into this vision during his life, told in the book of Daniel. Uh, let's look at the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, if you've read the book of Daniel, it's kind of split up into two sections. The first part is, is largely narrative and stories. That's what we remember from Sunday school. The second part are these apocalyptic visions. And when you hear the word apocalyptic, the word literally just means unveiling, to be revealed. Um, right? But there's all this imagery in there and, and prayers about the future. And anyway, what we're really Going to be focusing on is the narrative. And in the narrative, we see glimpses of Daniel living faithfully uh, while in captivity in Babylon. And he begins to serve uh, high up in the king's court. In fact, uh, God positions Daniel in this place of influence. Um, right, but he does this through Daniel seeking uh, the best for the king and for Babylon. Like Daniel is a faithful uh, authority figure within the king's court, seeking shalom, she, seeking peace. Uh, Daniel does this through interpreting the dreams multiple times, dreams of the king, uh, offers warning to the king uh, Nebuchadnezzar, um, and 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 actually Nebuchadnezzar actually does repent to those warnings in uh, Daniel chapter four, I believe. Anyway, Daniel offers wisdom and his service earns him a high place in the royal courts. And there's some summaries kind of talking about how Daniel served faithfully in Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 6. Now, as we think about Daniel living this way, as we think about this radical call uh, to the people of God in exile, I don't know about you, but, but my mind begins to shift to our time and our place. Certainly, we have to recognize that we live in a, in a very different context than the people of Israel in captivity in Babylon. Uh, also important to recognize that we, uh, po- after Jesus Christ, uh, have, are formed by and have the benefit of this revelation in Jesus Christ but I think it's worth considering how these words might apply as, as many of us increasingly feel and sense what's been a, a, a reality all along, that, that we live in a world that is not our home. And so, in in, in light of Jesus Christ, in light of the gospel, it, it begs the question of us how are we to live in exile? living in a world that is not our home, especially as our culture shifts and changes and Christianity loses its influence and even favor in the broader culture. I mean, there's some good things, maybe some bad things both in that, but what I mean by that is that Christianity and religion in general uh, many years ago was seen as a net positive for society, right? You agree with that? And it's, it's slowly begun to shift from a net positive to kind of neutral, like, okay, well, just do whatever you want and just don't bother us. And increasingly, I think we get the sense that, that Christianity, not just Christianity, but religion in general, is more being seen as, as, as the part of the problem, right? There's this shift, right? Good things about that, bad things about that. But how are we to live as we increasingly sense that we are living in a season of exile? Here's where, where Jeremiah's letter can be informative, especially in light of the teaching and life of Jesus Christ. See, here's the thing. The temptation is to engage the culture on the culture's terms. To engage Babylon on Babylon's terms thousands of years ago. And right now, I don't know if you notice this, I'm sure you do, but the standard cultural strategy right now is to label Pick sides, demonize, and engage in battle. Now that battle is is primarily rhetorical, using words, not like physical, right? But you engage in battle. You 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 fight. You identify who the enemy is. You tear them down, rhetorically. You destroy their reputation. You destroy their credibility. And and I don't know about you, but but we, for me, like I, I witnessed this, and man, it's gotten ugly. Amen. It's gotten ugly. And so now I read Jeremiah 29 verse seven and it says, seek shalom, seek the shalom, the peace of the city, pray for the city. And then I read the teachings of Jesus and what does Jesus teach in the Sermon on the Mount? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I'm reading an echo from Jeremiah 29 and I remember the gospel The gospel, which is our forming narrative, right? It is the story that frames us, the the reality that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into a broken world who laid down his life for his very enemies to bring redemption and rescue and salvation. And in light of all that, it seems to me that many of us Christians today have gotten the posture wrong. Far too many of the voices today who claim to speak on behalf of Christ's church are so filled with condemnation and contempt that it's alarming. Speaking words that completely lack any semblance of compassion or love. And here's the problem with that on the screen, right? When when, when we hold contempt or, or hatred in our heart, what does contempt lead us toward? that leads us to seek our enemy's destruction. But if we have compassion, if we have love, even love for our enemies, what does that drive us toward? That that drives us to seek our enemy's redemption. There's a a sizable difference in those two ends. But here's the question I want to ask. What will bring a greater change into our world? For our enemies to, to be destroyed? Certainly that'll bring some enemies who are enemies, right? Or what will bring greater change than seeing our enemies transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I think this is at the heart of Jeremiah 29. I think this is at the heart of Matthew chapter five, the Sermon on the Mount. In a world ever increasingly being seduced and devastated by violence, and we've seen where verbal violence turns into physical violence and it's alarming. Christ followers are called to a different way. We're called to a way of peacemaking, to loving our enemies, to praying for those who persecute you. Is that hard? Is that, that's like one of the most impossible tasks, only by the grace of God, but it's radical, but it's powerful. It's powerful. Invest. Jeremiah's letter continues though. And it's important uh, not just to, to invest in the city, but also to resist, to resist. Resist the deceptive voices, the prophecies, the diviners in Babylon. Verses 8 and 9, the prophet writes this, the Lord speaks, Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. What a line that is. They're prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. You see, in exile, the Lord says, there's going to be a lot of deceptive voices when you live in a land that is not your home. But do not listen to them, says the prophet. Think about for the people of of God living in exile uh, in Babylon. The people would, uh, would be surrounded by a variety of new challenges They've been completely transplanted from life in Jerusalem to life in Babylon. And no longer, life in Jerusalem, think about this, where where in Jerusalem, life centered and society was structured around their faith in Yahweh, in in the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In life in Jerusalem, the dominant architectural structure was the temple on the mountain. And so every day you had this, this physical reminder of God's presence among you, That's no longer the case. Every day in in Jerusalem, life was guided. There was daily prayers that people participated in. There There was weekly Sabbath, and that was a whole cultural rhythm, right? And not only that, but there were these yearly festivals that framed life as God's people to remember what God has done in the past so that we can put our eyes toward the future. And so life in Jerusalem... Your days and your weeks and your years were all structured and centered around God. And now they've been transplanted out of Jerusalem and into Babylon where now there's, none of those things are present. Instead, Babylonian religion, Babylonian customs, Babylonian language and laws and rhythms will begin increasingly to frame life. And with all of those influences, culturally, there's going to be plenty of voices coming their way, even some that sound appealing, right? Don't listen to them, the Lord says through Jeremiah, because these are false voices, and those false voices lead to, point to, and stem from idolatry. Again, Daniel is a living example of living faithfully among these pressures and voices. Let's look at the the example of Daniel, who refuses to lose his identity through idolatry. Daniel understood the importance of maintaining a distinct identity in exile to become just like the Babylonians would mean to lose one's identity and distinction as God's chosen people. And, and right in Daniel 1, int- I don't know if this is interesting, but the first sermon I ever preached here at Fusion was on Daniel 1. I don't know, for what it's worth. Uh, so it's a little bit of review. But, um, but Daniel, in, in Daniel 1, uh, he, he gets raised up in the king's court Uh, And and he's offered food at the king's table. And he refuses and says, give us vegetables and water. Now, is that some kind of fad diet plan? No, it's not. What Daniel is saying is he's gonna gonna continue to follow kosher eating rules, right? To maintain his identity. Because this whole strategy, as Babylon brought Daniel in, it was to, to change his name for three years, to educate him in Babylon culture and religion. And he's saying, no, I'm gonna maintain my identity as one of God's people. We go to Daniel 3 and we have the, the account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refused to worship an idol. Uh, and, and, and even there... Uh, They're threatened with being thrown into a fiery furnace and the response is powerful they say our God can save us paraphrasing here but even if God doesn't rescue us we are not going to worship other idols right it's this powerful example and God delivers them uh, from the fiery furnace then Daniel chapter 6 Daniel refuses to stop praying uh, to God he prays to God three times a day keeping again that identity marker praying to God his heart on the Lord and he refuses to stop praying three times a day and instead pray to King Cyrus he refuses and what's the consequence he gets thrown into a den of lions right and God saves him again in the book of Daniel we're given example after example of these faithful men who refuse to compromise right they refused to fall for the deceitful voices of the empire because they understood the importance of maintaining their identity as a distinct people Now again, this gets me thinking about our time and our place in light of Jesus Christ in the gospel. Because in our modern secular context, I think it's safe to recognize that that for most of us, the temptation is not to bow down before a golden image of, of the king or pray to a human ruler, right? There might be some obscure examples of that, but for most of us, that is not a temptation, We'll also not likely face such severe punishment when we don't comply with cultural pressures, meaning like physical harm. Like if, if we don't agree or if we don't, if, if we don't compromise, we're not being threatened to be thrown into a fiery furnace or a den of lions. Right? But there are pressures, uh, different pressures that, that have a pull on our heart. So I think, I think one of the, the, the biggest temptations that we face as Christians in our time and place is, is not idolatry in the form of golden statues and images, but it's the idolatry of ideologies. As Jeremiah pointed out and warned of the lies and the deceptive voices in the land of exile, uh, and, and, and I think this is so profound, but he says, much of those voices are the things that, that we encourage them to say, Right? Don't, don't listen to the, the, the diviners who, who, and their dreams that you encourage them to have. Meaning it's, it's easy for us to be seduced by the narratives and stories our world shares that frame how we see reality. And some of those stories and some of those ideologies certainly are, are political. But there's others that run much deeper in our DNA. We've talked about this one, but, but the God of self is one that runs deep within the waters of our culture, that that uplifts autonomy and the authority of the individual self. And and, and we as Christians should be discerning and think critically about where those those stories that we hear and those voices, because sometimes they align with what we believe, but oftentimes they diverge in pretty drastic ways from the story that ultimately shapes us, which is the gospel story. The the, the reality, again, that Jesus Christ entered into this world, he willingly gave of his life on behalf of those who were his enemies, and then he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death, and one day he's going to come again. This is our gospel story of grace that should be shaping us above anything else. Because if the church simply becomes another expression of a different story other than the gospel, what do I mean by that? If the, if the church simply becomes a puppet of the, the, the same narratives of, of whether it's political parties or other modern ideologies, secular, like expressive individualism, we've talked about that, or even religious identities that, that you've got to work hard enough to earn your salvation, if we become a puppet of those other than the gospel, then we lose our distinctive story of God's grace and Jesus Christ. And if we lose the gospel, if we lose that story that shapes us, then we are losing our very selves. And what's the point? If we look like everyone else, what's the point? We need to remain distinct as the church of Jesus Christ. Because the church of Jesus Christ, by who she is, by who we're called to be, by this gospel story that shapes and forms us, we should look different than the world around us. In many ways, we should feel out of place in our culture. kind of like a Packer fan in Cleveland, Ohio, right? Or a U of M fan in Columbus. Or as I've been told, a Packer fan in Holland, Michigan. I should be feeling out of place maybe. I was told that. Or on a more serious note, as I've heard from some college students or professors, increasingly this is how they feel to be a Christ follower on a secular college campus in the academic world. increasingly in, in certain segments of cities and in, in our world and feeling that difference in a tangible way. But Christ calls us to be distinct, not only in how we live, but in how we love. That Bible verse that many of us memorized as a kid, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. And how much did God love the world, people in the world? He gave his life, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We're called to live differently. It's not just in, in what we believe, but it's in how we live and the posture we hold. And here's the beautiful thing as we close. Jeremiah offers this challenge to the people. Invest in the city, pray for the shalom of the city in which I've called you to live. And yet don't listen to the deceptive voices. But he doesn't leave it there, right? The Lord doesn't leave it there through Jeremiah and say, hey, I know that's really challenging. I'm sure you'll sort that out. Good luck, right? It doesn't end that way. No, instead the letter continues and the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah speaks an incredible word of hope and strength. A word of strength for today and great hope for the future on the screen. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future later on. I will bring you back from captivity. An incredible word of hope to the exiles for their, for their people. Notice this is a, a promise for the next generation. Most of the people receiving this letter aren't going to experience return from exile, but it is a a plan that is God's and it is good, so continue to persevere. And in the midst of it, a powerful word of strength, a reminder of God's power and presence even in the land of exile. Because then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. You are in exile, but the Lord is saying to the people, I have not left you. I'm with you. And by the power of prayer, you have access to the living God. And as, as I see those two things, I don't know about you, but as a Christ follower, I hear the voice of Jesus Christ who in his death and resurrection made a way out of exile and life in Christ. That's a reality that will take place someday, but that's also a reality that we experience today. And that's the power in God's presence, that, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we, as those who've been saved by grace in Jesus Christ, we have access by the power of the Spirit through prayer to commune with Jesus Christ. That we can seek Jesus Christ, and we will, he will be found by us, right? Hope and a future, power and presence today. We have great hope as people living in a land that is not our home, amen? Let's pray and ask God to continue to do that work in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, for how these words written thousands of years ago continue to speak truth into our lives today. We thank you for these these places which which so clearly foreshadow the coming of your son, Jesus Christ. And and Lord Jesus, we pray that you would form us, that you would shape us, that, that you would give us the strength we need to live differently. Because, Lord, so much of our human nature wants to play the games by the culture's rules and yet, Lord Jesus, you call us to a higher way. A way that doesn't seek to destroy our enemies but seeks our enemies be redeemed and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, thank you for the reminder each and every day of this gospel that reminds us that, Lord Jesus, we were once your enemies. We are sinful, and yet, Lord, you died for us. May all of these things, Lord, compel our hearts and our wills to live according to the way of Jesus Christ. Reveal to us what that looks like today and this week and this year, we pray in Jesus' name. God's people say, amen.
0: Amen, I bet you stand and sing with us.
3: living in exile, living in a culture that might be against us, these themes. Um, The early church faced persecution, and I just want to read these words from Peter, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, writing to the church of Jesus Christ, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It's all founded in grace. And then he continues. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And here live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Friends, that is a posture of love. That is a posture of Jeremiah 29. May the Spirit help us discern how we live into that vision of God's people living in this time and this place. As you go from here, receive God's blessing and uh, stick around for some food fellowship. Uh, Make sure you check the Yoders and uh, have some conversation there. But hear this blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father Almighty, and the fellowship and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. God's people say, amen, amen.
2: You know.